Hi, this is Rebecca Radice, and I just got done talking with Ryan Fullen on the world of speakers, and we talked all about how you can create a presentation that wows your audience. Welcome to the World of Speakers podcast, brought to you by Speaker Hub. In each episode, we interview a professional speaker and reveal their very best tips and tricks. You'll learn to improve your presentation skills, keep your audience engaged, and learn how to grow your business to get more gigs and make more money. Here's your host, Ryan Foland. Welcome everybody to another episode here, and today I'm excited because we are talking with Rebecca Radici. <laughs> Did I get that right? You know, that is really the true pronunciation. Of course, it got a little Americanized. It's Radice, okay. but uh, I like the rolling of the R's. Radice. Radice, I like that. And I saw you roll some R's up on the social media marketing world stage two years in a row. And then we sort of connected on Twitter. I love all your graphics and your checklists and, and all the stuff that you're doing really to break down communicating on social media. So I'm super pumped to have you here because you are not somebody who hides behind the computer. You are up on stage. You are around the world. And we want to learn about you, your tips, and then you know your advice on how everybody can find success like you are with combining the different types of communication, online, offline, all that jazz. So I'm going to stop talking and ask you, where did it all begin? Where did the Radici start and how did it formulate to the now Radici? Ah, <laughs> great question. Well, uh, so speaking for me, uh, really started, so my early days, uh, my previous job was morning radio. Oh. And I, yeah, so I did that for 10 years uh, really grew up. My dad has been in radio his entire life and grew up in uh, a studio. And I think that bug bit me very early on. And so as I moved into radio, I realized that I had a definite love of the spoken, the written word, uh, just everything about it, and saw how powerful it could be when you were able to take your message and translate it in a way that really impacted people. So as I left the world of radio, went off and started uh, my entrepreneurial career after that, uh, it, it just stuck with me. And uh, initially, I moved into real estate and saw a big opportunity for training other realtors for being able to show them how to use social media, how to use blogging, everything that I had started using around 2004 to build my business and started training people on how to do that. And that evolved into uh, me speaking on bigger and bigger stages. But, you know, at the time, I don't think I had that huge desire to make a career out of speaking, out of traveling. I just saw it as a fantastic way to bridge the gap uh, between me and those that I think desperately wanted to learn in the early stages of how to get their businesses online, how to get out in front of more people. And I just had a real passion for training and teaching. Uh, and that, of course, evolved into a whole lot more. It evolved into a whole career where I stepped out of real estate and strictly into the world of online marketing. And so speaking has been a huge pillar of my business really since day one, but it's certainly evolved over the years. 
I love the radio beginning. And, you know, I've, I've got a radio show as well as this podcast. And the fun part about live radio is that it's live. And I, I treat these podcasts like they're live, right, at the same time. But what an amazing experience to have the opportunity to grow up in that environment. So I want to know, what did your mom do? What was she into? <laughs> so my mom is a psychologist okay. and was a stay-at-home mom. She is now a professor and teaching, but I was very fortunate. I had a mom that uh, was home with me and my two sisters and just an amazing woman that both of my parents were very, very active in our lives. Like I said, I got to spend a lot of time with my dad in uh, the radio studio, kind of learning the uh, behind the scenes and then having a very active mom who I just man, I think back on that now, of course, as a kid, you have no idea that, hey, my mom is home and a lot of my friends don't get that luxury. Right. But now, of course, I, I look back on that and all that she sacrificed for us having her degree, she went back, got her master's and decided to, to stay home and raise us girls. That is awesome. So I was what one might call a latchkey kid. Both my parents were in education and, you know, classically had the key around my neck and, and I didn't have that as much. So I think that's an amazing opportunity to just have such involvement. What was nice for me is when summer came, since everyone was in education, we had a lot of time. We just spent like three months solid on a boat together. So it made up for it there. But oh. so what kind of radio were you in the production side of things or were you actually on the radio live using your voice? On the radio live, top yeah. 40. Top 40. What was the topics yeah. that you talked about? Oh, goodness. Just think about what they talk about on top 40 radio stations. It was everything from, you know, what was going on in the world to cultural, of course, you know, all of the music and the lifestyle happening around that. So it was pretty much a no holds barred. You know, we had a lot of fun. So are you into, uh, has that translated to uh, podcasting and training on podcasting as well? Or has your social media more been towards the, the written and the visual? Because I know that, you know, you're known all over the world for the visual aspect of things. And I think that's what I saw you speak on. Are you really into the blogging and where you stand with that? Because I know that's getting real trendy right now and the, you know, the voice economy and all that. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So video and podcasting have definitely been something I've played around with. Uh, it started many years ago and just launched a new podcast, which I think you're aware of uh, last year called Brand Authority. And oh, yeah. so, so yeah, I have a lot of fun with it. I like to keep my hand in it and it's definitely something I'm very comfortable with. The radio station that I worked for was owned by the ABC affiliate. I was in the Denver area. And uh, so I was very lucky, I think, where I had opportunities both behind the mic as well as in front of the camera. So I did a lot of work on both sides and took that right with me over into, you know, it's always so funny. You look back on your history and where you come from and who knew and that all of that was preparing me for what I do today. Right. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been, as I said, a definite evolution. But the fact that 
we now have all of this accessible to us. You know, when I first started in radio, there wasn't the ease that there is today to just like you and I are doing right now to, you know, plug in your mic and have a conversation and get this out across iTunes and everywhere else where people can listen within, you know, their commute or wherever they're listening. So to me, it's uh it's not surprising that it has taken off the way it has. And I was a part of the first wave, you know, many years ago where we were all super high on podcasting and then it just wasn't the right timing for me and I let it go and definitely decided it was right to jump back in. And so it's been a lot of fun. I I truly enjoy it because as you can probably tell, it's just for me a medium that is so personal. When all of a sudden, you know, you can take a relationship, you talked about the fact that you and I had the chance to somewhat meet at Social Media Marketing World, but then really get to know each other across Twitter. But when I was able to hear your voice and listen to you on this podcast and see you in your videos, it just takes that relationship to a whole different level. Yeah, we're homies now. (laughs) There you go. That's right. (laughs) That's awesome. So I want to pick your brain on the tips and tricks that you have for people when it comes to the actual communicating. And I love the fact that you are so versed and have so much experience and it's in your genetics when it comes to the, the radio waves and the podcast waves. So how much of a crossover is there from speaking behind a microphone and then speaking on stage? The dynamics are definitely different, but what would you say the commonalities are and, and how can people sort of tap into their talent for one or the other or both? You know, I think there's a lot of commonalities. Uh, one of the first is the amount of research. I don't, I don't know that many people uh, truly appreciate how much time it takes to, A, do your show prep when you're in radio. So, you know, people used to say to me all the time, oh, you have the best gig, you know, you're on at 5 a.m. because I was in drive time, you're off at 10, and then you have the rest of your day. Ha, 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 sure. (laughs) Not the case at all. You know, you're you're up at 2.33 a.m., you're in the studio, you're getting prepped with your team, you are then off at 10 and you're prepping for the next day, and then you probably have live events that you're out doing as well. So there's just, there's a whole lot of research that goes into what actually shows up on the air, and it's the same difference with your presentations, and that really translated for me in I'd say I'm almost obsessive in the amount of research that I do for each one of my presentations. And you would think that the longer you do it, the easier it gets. But when you truly care about your audience, when you truly care that the experience is all about them and not about you, it takes a lot of personalization for each of your presentations. It takes uh, just really that deep understanding of who they are. So I would definitely say that uh, the research aspect is so incredibly critical that you're really considering, you know, who am I speaking with, not necessarily to. As my dad used to always tell me, you're not speaking to people, Rebecca, you're having a conversation with them. Mm. And that really translated for me. I grew up in a, you know, with a dad, as I said, who was in radio. So my joke always was that he did not read bedtime stories to me. 
I read to him. Mm -hmm. And he would say to me, now, would you actually say it like that if you were talking to a friend? Would you actually (laughs) say those words? And so you have to think about that. You know, what are those words that that audience would use? What are those conversations that you're having? And so or that they're having. And so that as you start to craft your content, as you're getting prepared and doing that research, you're thinking about, you know, how am I going to speak in a way that truly resonates with them? And then how am I going to make them care? You know, it's always that what's in it for me, that question that we as speakers have to answer. So once you think about who your audience is, once you do that research, it does become a whole lot easier to be able to answer that question and then being able to know, you know, what are their pain points? What are their struggles? What are they particularly dealing with that you're going to be able to solve for them? And so all of that research, I think, really culminates in being able to answer those questions and then being able to get very, very laser focused on what it is that they're going to need from you within that moment. I love that research component. And I do think that when people get a peek behind the green curtain and they see the Wizard of Oz, which is you back there, <laughs> there's a lot of work. There's a lot of machines that are they're being you know turned and gears that are cranking. So I think that's a, a great point to start with that research. I know you were the queen of lists and I think that's amazing, right? I don't know if anybody's called you that, but you're the queen of lists in my book. <laughs> no, they haven't, but I love it. <laughs> okay. So I, you know, when I have people that reach out to me and they're like, ah, oh, I'm not sure where to start or what's going on. I'll like throw them in your lap and be like, Hey, Rebecca's got all the lists. She's a list queen. So I want to challenge you to come up with a speaking list and specifically, you know, maybe mirroring off of what you do before you get on stage, like your ritual beforehand, and then maybe the intro or how you sort of start, like what would that list be for preparing and even like five minutes before you get on stage and then the first five minutes on stage? Because I think that's, everybody has their own little unique pattern and I'd love to know it as a list from you. Ooh, I have lots of those lists. Yes. (laughs) Do you have any before you go on stage speaking lists? Um, you know, I don't know that I necessarily have that for me. Yes, Yes, I got you. I I got a list that you don't have yet. (laughs) You're right. Because for me, it's really about uh, rest and relaxation before I go on stage. So I know a lot of people I talk with, they are cramming right up until the very last minute. And I avoid that at all costs. I try to have just my last minute run through the day before so that that morning is is just a moment of, for lack of a better term, total zen for me. There's enough craziness that's usually going on with, you know, the conference you're attending and if you're traveling, so your flight. And there's so much stress that's tied up into that. I try to de-stress myself as much as possible. So for me, I am a big breakfast eater. So it's about eating right, It's about taking quiet time for myself. Uh, I'm very much about uh, setting the tone, the pace for my day. I know that if I run into uh, that conference room and I'm feeling frenzied and just overwhelmed and stressed out, that energy I'm going to push right out to my audience. So I try to take out 
just anything, anything that's going to create that friction, not only within myself, but also between me and the audience. And, you know, the biggest thing that I remind myself over and over and over again, as I step out onto that stage, is it's not about me. It is all about that audience and how I can best serve them. And when you pull yourself out of the equation, when you stop and stop worrying about how do I look and what am I wearing and am I going to sound okay? Something stupid going to come out of my mouth. All those crazy little worries we have, right? Right. The little voices in your head, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Then all of a sudden, a lot of that melts away. And I found over the years, the more that I focused on having that quiet, just that quiet moment, whether it's 30 minutes, whether it's 15 minutes, whatever you can give yourself, and then realize that this is an audience that's dying to hear what you have to say. They showed up for a reason, right? not to see you fall flat on your face, not to see you make a complete idiot out of yourself, as you know we tend to tell ourselves, but to promote and support and, and be excited for you and really champion you as you step out onto that stage. And I'll tell you, I, I was listening to one of your your most recent podcasts, and I apologize, I can't think of her name, but she was talking about just the nerves that go into public speaking and how that comes out in a very real way. And I had a lot of those ticks where my leg would shake when I first started speaking. And I have that I still do it where my whole chest will turn bright red when I'm nervous. It's just crazy stuff. Yeah. And I used to get so embarrassed because I just, I couldn't overcome it unless I put, you know, a whole lot of makeup on. And I finally came to terms with it. I was like, you know what? This is what it is. And I'm just going to embrace it and I'm going to deal with it. And so those are all kind of a part of my answer to your question in if I get up on stage in front of, you know, a thousand people and all of a sudden my little tick comes back, I just breathe through it and I let it go and then it goes away. And so I think that would be my biggest piece of advice to people is don't fight those things. Don't fight them and think that they're your Achilles heel. If you just let go and focus on your audience, talk about what you're passionate about, serve them, feed into them. All of those things will start to melt away over time. Certainly, they get better and you deal with it. But like I said, you know, there's always going to be that pressure, always going to be that stress. And you just have to figure out how to best work within that based on your personality and who you are. Bam. Okay. So, I have been secretly taking notes here, and I'm trying to come up with the 10 steps to a list. So right now I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm missing one, but I think I'm going to come up with it. And what you'll love about this, Rebecca Radishi, is that it's the 10 R's to getting onto the stage. All 10 R's, all right? So number one, and this is your list, so you can obviously chirp (laughs) You can chirp in. But number one is research. Number two is the run-through, which is the night before. Then the morning of, you have the right food. Then before you get on stage, you have to rest. And after you've rested, you have to relax. Then after you are relaxed, before you get on stage, you have to remove the friction. 
And then when you're on the stage, you have to remove yourself from the conversation. It's not about you. It's about the audience. And you have to realize that the audience is there because they want to hear you. Then I'm missing step nine. And then number step 10 is rock and roll. <laughs> Ooh, rock and roll. Those are good. Yeah. So we need a number nine in between realizing that the audience wants you and rock and rolling. Something hopefully with an R. Did we have relax in there? So re- Okay, I got this. So relax is before you get on stage, you have rest, relax, but we're going to repeat relax. Yeah. So after you realize that the audience wants you, you have to relax again and then rock and roll. Yeah, there you go. And we could also put, I don't know that we had rehearse in there. We could certainly put that. Oh my gosh. No, we didn't. Yes. Okay. So we're going to remove the first relax and we're going to put a rehearse in. So maybe there's the research and then rehearse. Okay, so here we go. Number one, research. Number two, rehearse. Number three, run through. Number four, the right food. Number five, rest. Number six, remove friction. Number seven, remove yourself. Number eight, realize the audience wants you. Number nine, relax. Number 10, rock and roll. Boom. I love it. (laughs) Awesome. All right, so we have your 10R process. You know what? You can call it the radici something. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. The Radici routine. Woo. I love it. All right. <laughs> wow. Okay, cool. So from the stage, now you're there. One of the favorite things that, that I like to ask people is any of your intro strategy, because you really have just the first amount of time, just within seconds or minutes to grab people's attention. Is there anything wacky that you do or something that you just find works, how to get people really going? Any of your intro tips, like how you get going? Yeah. Once you rock and roll. You got to get people engaged. You got to get them involved because you're right. You do have, I think the average person's attention span clocks in at eight seconds. So, you know, you have a matter of moments and it's really starting with a hook. So whether it's getting people off their feet getting people active with each other. You want to get them interactive with you. So ask a question, tell a story, make them laugh if that's your thing. The most important part is that you engage your audience immediately. So starting with that that hook, it could be a surprising fact, it could be a data point, whatever you need to do to grab your audience's attention That is exactly what you need to do in that first 60 seconds, if even that. So as I said, it just depends on your personality, your speaking style. There's so many different ways that you can do this. I think this goes back to research too. YouTube is so fantastic. If you are just getting started as a speaker, I don't know about you, Ryan, but the hardest part for me always is my intro and outro. Yeah. You know, I will practice those over and over and over and over again. And you've really got to nail those. And if you want to do some research of what's going on within your industry, what people are talking about as far as something similar to your topic, just go do some research. Go take a look at YouTube. See how other people are easing their way into that presentation. And it's not about you know swiping or stealing their ideas, but getting a feel for what's working for other people. And then how can you work that into your presentation style? Because obviously every you know everything you see isn't going to be 
right for you, I tell a terrible joke. I am horrible. I'm one of those people that I'll remember 10% of it. Not my thing. (laughs) Right, right. So I would totally paralyze myself trying to get on stage and tell a joke. Now, this is sort of random, but do you know what seagulls are? Have you seen a seagull? Oh, sure. Okay, do you know why seagulls don't fly over bays? I do not. Because then they'd be bagels. Oh, my gosh. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic because it's so terrible. It's my go-to joke. I can't, I can't help myself. <laughs> so on the topic of this intro and outro, what I like about this, and I'm curious your opinion, I am under the belief because of whatever research that I've done, or at least this is just what I think, is that people will remember the beginning and the end, but not so much in the middle. Do you feel that that's an accurate sort of statement? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And that, that's why it's so crucial because if you have a terrible beginning or a terrible end and an amazing middle, they still might remember you for the beginning and the end. Right. Yeah. And you do. You have those matter moments where you are going to wow them, where you have that chance to truly draw them into the narrative of your story. And this goes back to why it is so important for you to, you know, as you're thinking about this presentation, sitting down and first of all, thinking about what's my core purpose? What is that point I want to drive home more than anything else? And then everything is going to help you reinforce that main idea throughout your presentation. So you're thinking about now what are those key takeaways? So what are those things that I want my audience to remember? What are the most important parts of your presentation? And so in that intro, you have the chance to really set all of that up. So setting those expectations, just like we do with our kids, you know, with our clients, with anybody else, we're setting the expectations, setting the tone of what they can expect. So tell them before you share with them, tell them what they can expect. And then everything's going to roll up into that. So if you think about it in that sense of what is that main point? First, I'm going to start with that hook. I'm going to identify what that core purpose is. I'm going to know my key takeaways. I'm going to summarize what they can expect. Then I'm going to tell them exactly what I summarized. And now I'm going to bring it all home, bring it all back around at the very end. Then people can breathe a sigh of relief because they're wondering, you know, we're all anxious when we first sit down to watch somebody present and we don't exactly know where are they headed or what is this about. So once you give them that that clear expectation and that roadmap, now they can just sit back, relax and engage with you. And what that was so eloquently explained Sounds very much like the classic advice of tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. Exactly. One of the things that you said, which I just want to point out, because you might be able to use this for something in the future, you're creative enough. You said matter of moments. I don't know if that was on accident or something you say, but I think that's a nice little ring to it, right? The matter of moments. I could see that being like a book or a blog post or a whole concept, right? What are the matter of, oh, how about this? The matter of moments that matter. Oh, that is fantastic. Sounds like a stick figure quote almost, but like, think about (laughs) it, right? So you're going to go Facebook live. Well, matter, wait, the matter of moments that matter. I don't know. I just, I, I like that concept because there is so many 
different ways to look at speaking or advice. And really what I'm hearing from you is a very customized approach where it's like the, you have to figure out what matters for you. And of those matter of moments that matter of the matter matter. I'm not sure where I'm going to sound like the Mad Hatter, but there's something in there. No, I, I really love where you're going because it all goes back to making every moment matter. And knowing that whether you have 10 minutes, whether you have 30 minutes, whether you have 60 minutes, this is time that your audience has taken out of their day to spend with you. You know, this podcast right now uh, is time people have taken out of their busy lives to listen in. So how are you going to show up? How are you going to show up in that moment? And I personally... I want to show up and give 200% to absolutely everything I do. And so for me, it's being overly prepared, which is, is just certainly my nature. But research is, is really the cornerstone for me into a solid presentation. Does it mean that everything's going to go perfectly every time? Oh, my goodness, no. Yes. <laughs> no. Shoot, I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to warn you, there might be a quote attributed to you soon in a stick figure format that is, make every moment matter. It's got a lot of muh, muh, muh. I like it. Yes, I love it. Okay, so let's let's jump away from the pool of tips and tricks for tactical speaking and get into the jacuzzi of how you make money. So, um, you know, I don't want this to be or feel like a sleazy approach of, this is how you go and make a bunch of money speaking right? (laughs) It's more of like, how do you find success on stage to monetize the message? You know, how does that work for you so that somebody can listen and be like, wow, I didn't think of it that way. Well, and it really depends on your business and your business structure. Uh, So looking at it from a, a few different places in the corporate world, you're maybe just speaking because you want to get your company out in front of as many people as possible. You might even be a sponsor at that particular event. Now, if you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, you might just start out getting yourself on stage at local events, at national events, where you can start to get yourself in front of a larger audience. And I think that's a a big misconception. You know, I talk to a lot of people that say, you know, Rebecca, you speak all over the world. You must have started out making money at this and then you just escalate from there. Well, no, I, I don't know many people that actually start out making money as a speaker. It's something that comes over time, certainly as you build up uh, your speaking skills, as you get known within your field, within your industry. So it's a real commitment like anything else. And so it's understanding how you want to get paid. So, you know, I talked about there's a few different ways of monetization and I combine. So I have uh, situations where, yes, I get paid to show up and speak. I also have situations where I'm able to sell from a stage. So I have a product or I have a membership site um, that I would love to be able to move people into. So it really depends on your business model, what it is that, what's the purpose behind your speaking? And mine has definitely changed over the years 
as my business has changed, quite frankly, as uh, the, you know, the reason behind me speaking has changed. But as I said, it's always been a pillar of my business. So today it's a combination, a combination of events throughout the year where I'm getting paid and then events where I have the opportunity to stand in front of a large group of people that are definitely my target market right. and potential clients. So I think that I hear research continue to come up, and I'm even seeing the underlining tone of research here. So the question of how do I make money, you're still flipping it around and saying, well, you've got to research for yourself what makes sense for you. And I think it's the Radici research rules, right? <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> You know, I always appreciate the opportunity to roll my R's ever since my eighth grade class in Spanish, and I discovered that I was one of the few that could do it, and I love it. So forgive me for rolling. Oh, no, no. Radici. I am right there with you. It is it is so much fun. Radici research <laughs> rules. <laughs> oh. Okay, I, I dig this. So, you know, maybe as a final insight, after everybody has kind of done their research, are there any approaches from an outbound perspective that have worked for you in landing some of these deals, paid or not paid, understanding that the not paid eventually becomes paid? Do you have a certain trick for researching call for speakers? Do you have an assistant that does it? Uh, is it through your network that you just let people know? What is the one piece of outbound as in you're chasing down and there's no shame in chasing down speaking gigs? What is something that has traditionally worked for you or that is kind of the go-to if uh, you want to get on stage and, and you don't have those inbound requests for it at the moment. Oh boy, there is so much wrapped up into. <laughs> you just got to choose one though, right? We're, yeah. This is a Radishi refining method. I'm going to go with the tried and true. So there are a lot of different ways to do this, but the tried and true is the outreach. There is nothing uh, glamorous or easy about getting started as a speaker. Uh, in the early days, and I'll tell you, it's still a practice. My assistant does outreach every single day. Does it mean we're going, you know, we're, we're finding those particular conferences that make sense for us every single day? No, but you have got to be immersed in the industry itself and really keep yourself top of mind with these event organizers, with these conferences, because sorry, but they're not going to remember you. They're not going to remember you from last year or even last week. So you have got to continuously do that outreach. And it's it can be as simple as a Google search for your topic. If you want to do local, so I, I'm in the Los Angeles area, so it could be social media conferences in Los Angeles. It could be that easy. I could dive even deeper if I wanted to target maybe a specific audience. You know, maybe it's entrepreneurs that want to learn how to use social media. So just think about what your niche is, what that area of expertise is, and then where where do you want to go? Are you willing to travel? Because obviously that's something you have to consider too, if they're going to pay for your travel. If they're not, do you just want to stay in your own neck of the woods? when you're first getting started. But for me, since day one, it's been all about the outreach. I am a firm believer, as I know you are, Ryan, that everything begins with a conversation. 
everything starts with a conversation. And so just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to reach out. I, I talk with so many people that are like, but what do I say? How do I reach out? How do I email them? <laughs> well, you say hello and <laughs> you're specific. So first things first, what do you want to speak about? Think about, you know, outline your top three things that you are going to speak on that you can customize to any of those conferences. You need a synopsis, you need a description, you need a bio. So you need to be able to share who you are, why you're an expert, why they should bring you in, why you're an authority to speak on that, and then just start reaching out on a daily basis. It's just like any other muscle or habit. How do you build it? You got to do it day after day after day. So it's really that simple and that hard, Ryan, I think, because it's <laughs> it's a tough commitment to make. All right. So you didn't realize it, but you're the queen of lists and you just came up with another list. So people, if you're listening, I am going to rehash it for you. And this is the Radici list for outreach, specifically when you're trying to reach out and you don't know what to do. Number one, figure out what you want to speak about. Number two, have three topics identified that you want to discuss. Number three is, I can't read my writing, but I'm, <laughs> yeah, I can't read that, but it's a good one. Three is a good one. Number four, uh, you've got to be able to have your bio and everything else ready to go. Number five, you've got to answer the whys. Why should they like you? Why are you an authority? Why, why, why? And then the final step is just going to be actually reaching out. And I love the fact that it's that easy and it's that hard. Yeah, it really it really is cuz it can be scary. It can feel intimidating to reach out to these people but just know that they're trying to fill spots. They need speakers with your expertise. But I would also caution to be somewhat picky even when you're first getting started. This is your brand. This is your business that you are aligning with a conference. So be very careful that you're specific in where you're placing yourself. And more than that, where are you giving your time? Because this goes back to what I was talking about at the very beginning, where all of this, everything from researching that opportunity to the outreach to actually preparing for that presentation to all of the travel, that can be a hundred hours right there. So you have to be very, very careful where you're placing your time and what you're committing to. And this goes back to uh, those things that we are saying a very firm hell yes to within our business and an absolute no to within our business as well. So don't be afraid to shut certain situations or opportunities down if it doesn't feel like the exact right place for you to be presenting. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that easy and it is that hard. <laughs> I love it. So if you need a list or a set of lists to work through a number of challenges that you're going to face when communicating online and offline, Rebecca is the place to go. Rebecca, if I was going to send somebody to you, where do you want them to be sent to? couple of easy places. They can find me on my website, which is RebeccaRadice.com or on Twitter at RebeccaRadice. Sweet. And then you've got a membership thing. You've got your podcast. You've got all kinds of stuff. We'll make sure to put it all in the notes. But for everybody out there listening, I hope you're inspired because whether or not your father was in radio, you have more of a chance than ever before to get access to an audience. And at the end of the day, if you have an audience, you can build an audience, you can speak to an audience, you can get a message out there that can change the world. And that message might be able to be monetized. But at the end of the day, research what it is that you want to share, 
focus on the key components of what you want to share. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them again. And when all else fails, go visit Rebecca and she's got a list for whatever other problem you need. How's that for a recap? Is that good? I love it. Yes. And I love that you point out I'm the queen of the list because yes. definitely speaks to my love of educating and making it simple to remember. And it comes to the top of mind. Like when it comes to the branding, like I think of you when it comes to that. And that's just because you've been consistent with that messaging and your lists are easy and that hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's been such a treat to be here with you. All right. Absolutely. And we'll see you at Social Media Marketing World and on Twitter. I'm sure everybody, the last thing you need to remember for the day and tomorrow and the next is make every moment matter. This is Ryan and Rebecca Radishi signing off. Bye, everybody.